this Advent, as you heard, we are focused in on watching and waiting. These are common themes, of course, in this season where we celebrate the coming of Jesus, but they have been full of meaning for God's people for forever. And today we read Psalm 130, which is known as one of the classic penitential psalms in the church. There are seven such psalms, and since the seventh century, they have been prayed together, uh, usually in Lent, to lead people to repentance. However, today, because Advent is also a time where we examine our hearts and souls, especially in communion, as we consider why Jesus came, this psalm is wholly appropriate for us as we uh, begin the season. Psalm 130. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you, so that you may be revered. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. More than those who watch for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is great power to redeem it is he who will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. The word of the Lord. This week as I meditated on this passage of scripture, I was intrigued by the idea of what happens in our souls as we wait. And it led me to think about where the intersection is of what we want and what God wants for us. When we think about prayer, Jesus taught us to pay attention to how our wills are aligned with God's will. And as we seek God in prayer, like we just did, for so many things, for healing and comfort, for people to know Jesus, for travel mercies, for our hearts to be stilled, for children and grandchildren, for opportunities for peace, for whatever it is that we seek the Lord for. We are asking for God to somehow intervene in how we see our struggles. Prayer encompasses more than just a few intersections with the Lord, doesn't it? Prayer is an act of trust. We trust God. We trust that he moves. We trust that he cares about our predicaments or the tangled webs of our relationship or the loss that we experience. Prayer is also an exercise in listening. The Spirit speaks to us in prayer. We learn how to hear God's voice, the dialogue that God wants to have with us. Prayer is also very much about waiting. Now, we might think that trust and waiting are the same things, but they are not. We often don't choose what we are made to wait for in life. But we choose how we trust the Lord in the process of waiting 
for whatever it is that we are hoping to see. Psalm 130 is a prayer from a person who is waiting. They have paused to engage with God. This is not the kind of prayer where they anxiously repeat what they want over and over. You know that kind of prayer. You and I have both done that. They are praying to God and not simply for what they are hoping to have. They are saying, Lord, hear my voice crying out to you from the bottom of my soul. Please listen. Please listen, Lord, for what I need. When have you prayed this kind of prayer? This desperate kind of plea to the Lord. Can you hear the expectant waiting? Are you listening, God? Can you hear my voice in all the world? Lord, there's so much for you to hear and to focus in. But if you're willing, God, if you're willing, I need you. Sometimes when we come to the end of ourselves and we don't know what to do, this is the kind of prayer that we lift up to God. In verse 3, the writer expresses their regret for what they've done wrong. They see God's holiness, but they also see God's grace. If we come to the Lord thinking that there is a score pad of all the ways that we've messed up, all the ways that we haven't loved well, the ways that we have fallen short of God's glory, we would crumble in the glare of God's majesty if that's all there was. But here, the writer gives reverence and praise for the forgiveness that is always offered. And this forgiveness causes the psalmist to be even more in awe of God. That we have a God who is merciful. Now it's not known who wrote these words. Some scholars think that this is a psalm of David. That David wrote this after doing what he wanted instead of what God wanted for him. Perhaps. In verses 5 and 6, we have the crux of the matter. The psalmist says how they wait for the Lord. And in this waiting, there is hope. The psalmist doesn't feel abandoned. This is not an angry psalm. They are waiting for God to move in their life. There's a difference in waiting for something, though, and waiting for the Lord. They're not the same. We always have to learn to differentiate the difference. I, I can wait for something for God to do, something I specifically want God to do, or I can simply wait for God. Is there overlap? Of course. Do we wait for God to act on our behalf? Yes. But the author, I think, of this psalm is getting at the core of our spiritual lives. Nikki talked about it today. How we are made to simply be with God. Waiting for God to act on our behalf is agenda-driven. And waiting for God just to be with us is relationship-focused. How often do we just wait for God to be God with us? It's not wrong to ask the Lord for help. It's a good thing. 
But sometimes I wonder how much God just wants us to come and just dwell with him, just be with him, just to be content because he is with us, that we have the gift of being close to the Lord. God says, be still and know that I am. God says, I will be made known among the nations. He says, love, love me, love me with all of your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength. Like a branch that is part of a vine, just abide in me, just stay with me, just be with me. I will be known by you when you seek me with all of your heart. This is what God wants. The one who came to dwell with us wants us to just dwell with him. So the author waits for the Lord's presence. Repeat in a line, more than those who watch for the morning. And we think about the times that we have to wait and watch for the morning in the middle of the night. Sometimes we keep watch for safety, sometimes for another's, another person's well-being, for the sun to come up because we have to go and do something important. The writer is saying more than anything, more than any other reason that people watch and wait for the morning to come, the writer is watching for the Lord. Their desire is God and they don't want to miss him. Now, this kind of focus is not easy. To be still and wait for God without distraction. To just be in God's presence takes discipline. Because our mind and our heart and our feet wander to so many other places. Truthfully, it also takes courage because in that waiting, we are vulnerable. We are laid bare before the Lord and we know it. And the Lord comes and speaks. Sometimes words of life, sometimes words of challenge, sometimes shows us something that we didn't see. It's a sacred space. As we seek to know God more, we see who we are, and that is part of the design. In verse 7, the writer tells Israel to hope in the Lord, because in the Lord there is steadfast love. There is great power to redeem. Don't be afraid, the writer says, to come before the Lord. God will redeem his chosen people and everyone who calls on the Lord from their iniquities. So just a few thoughts as we have communion this morning on our first Sunday of Advent. The psalmist cries out to the Lord because God is faithful. They're saying, hear me, see me, understand me, know me. This is the cry of all of us that wants proof that God cares about us. If today you're wondering if God cares about you, these are words of assurance. If God didn't care, none of us would be here and the world that we live in would be a total wasteland of the worst parts of humanity. Psalm 130 is a prayer of someone who has had the experience of being loved by God and wants that assurance in the season that they currently find themselves in. So where would you seek assurance from the Lord today? Second, 
If God kept a record of all of our iniquities, if he kept score instead of offering grace, how would we even be able to stand? But sometimes we do this to ourselves. We keep track. We can't forget our shame. We can't forget the things that we've done. We hold sins against ourselves, allowing that shame to be stronger and more potent than our God. And sometimes we do this to others, allowing the hurt that has been done to us to be stronger than the Lord's grace. Today, as we celebrate the Savior who takes on the iniquities of all of the world, if there's something that you need to let go, let today, the first day of Advent, be a good day to let that go. Third, in the season of Advent, I would encourage all of us to commit time daily, even just a few minutes, just seeking God for who God is and not what you want. This is the most important intersection of our lives, being with the Lord. And that might look like being still and focusing on God's word, which the psalmist says gives us hope. It might look like going outside to see the beauty of creation and praising God. It might look like serving the least of those around us with the goal of seeing those precious souls as God does. It might mean coming before God with open hands in a difficult or painful situation, telling the Lord that we trust, we trust in Jesus and are content with whatever answer. We receive. Advent is meant to be a time where we are purposeful about seeking God so that we have a more profound understanding when Christmas Day dawns. Because of God's steadfast love and desire to bring new life, there is so much our souls glean from waiting on the Lord, from watching specifically for Him. God has things He wants to show you. God has ways he wants to be known by you. And celebrating the sacrament is the time that we have been given just for this purpose. Jesus came to earth as a baby so we would have a better understanding of God. Jesus died and rose to new life so we would always have God's presence. And the Spirit's presence would be the goal of our lives. This psalm is about where our focus is, where our heart is. And we want to focus on the giver instead of the gift which is a lesson we all need to keep learning. Advent, as Jake said, is an arrival. It's a journey to someplace new from a familiar place we have all been before. It is waiting and watching for the risen Lord who came to live among us, who lives to give us hope today as we wait for him to come again. And what happens in our souls as we wait and watch? Well, that's largely determined by how we choose to intersect with the Lord. I want to end with um, a sentence or two that I've been saving for a few years, and this year is a good uh, time to read it. It's by Catherine Walden. Waiting and watching at a bus stop at one end of a major curve in the road is a great analogy for what faith and hope are all about. You know the bus is coming, the bus schedule says it will, and yet you cannot see the arrival until it makes that final bend toward you. As we anticipate the joyful celebration of Christ's birth, Let's stand on his promises. We may not yet see him before our eyes, but his word is truth, 
and the fulfillment of those promises are just around the bend. Advent is upon us. The glorious time when we experience once again the fullness of Christ coming as one of us. We are all so much in need of God's presence. So may we experience the Lord today in communion as we watch and wait. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.